Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm here with my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. You are back from San Antonio. San Antonio, yeah. New Jersey. And yes. <laughs> okay, well, here's a lead-in, because we always fight to get these lead-ins to the interview, right? Yeah. You're on the road a lot. Whenever yeah. you go to a new city, you try to get a Starbucks mug. Yes, I do. So you buy a product from Starbucks when you're on the road. Yep. Our guest today sells products at Starbucks. I know. I've seen them. How was that for transition? <laughs> it's a great transition. You're always so good at transitioning, and this one is magic. Speaking of Starbucks products. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Starbucks products. <laughs> I met Caitlin years ago, I think maybe before Giving Keys. She's CEO of a company called The Giving Keys. Mm -hmm. And the, the idea was, early on and still is, that she prints these words, and she tells us in the interview how she got this company started. Yeah. She prints these words on the side of a key that say something like hope, peace, love, resilience, mm -hmm. faith. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it has the Declaration of Independence on it. No. But what it, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really big key. It's not. It's not a big key. No. <laughs> so she, you know, that's the concept. And the idea is you buy one of these. You mm -hmm. wear it because you need some faith or hope or peace or love mm -hmm. or the Constitution. And you wear it for a while. And then you give it away yeah. when you meet somebody who needs it more than you. Yeah. It's a really wonderful... It's lovely. Yeah. And when you meet her, you get it. Yeah. Because yeah. She, she wants to connect with people more than she wants to do anything else. Yes. <laughs> but what, what was interesting about interviewing Caitlin is it's rare to find... I mean, you know, I'm a CEO of a company, and, mm -hmm. and, and it is not a fight, but I have to remind myself that people come first. <laughs> <laughs> that people are humans How and have hearts <laughs> without coming across. You always portray yourself as like this big jerk who hates people. Does like, and no, 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 you're I, so the opposite of that. So, I mean, I appreciate you. Not, like, what, but, but what I mean is, I'm thinking of like, is. We, I went to dinner with my wife this weekend and it's been yeah. a crazy, like we have a lot of things. Yeah. You're just putting one foot in front of the other right now yeah. for this next month because it's really crazy. And she was like, this isn't going to work. You can't, you can't bring work home. You can't, you know, so I'm just, I'm coming off of that. I'm trying yeah. to, trying to change. And Caitlin, it was a great interview for me today because she's just yeah. so inspiring in that sense. Yeah. It's, it's all about people. But my question is, yeah. can it be all about people and you still make money? Yeah. Can it be all about people and you still scale up? Can it be all about, I'm not going to finish this spreadsheet today. I'm going to have lunch with some of the staff and we're going to talk about our feelings. Yeah. And can that work? Yeah. And it works for her. It's the thing that keeps her going. Well, it's the thing that built the company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly. And, so, and I've actually had, when I was professor, a number of my students, because I was uh, I taught in Southern California, yeah. and three of my former students actually ended up going and working for her. And they loved it. They loved it. And yeah. I was texting one of them during the interview and saying, hey, I'm on the, we're interviewing Caitlin right now. And they wrote back, I love her. Tell Because you never know, like, yeah. did you get fired? Or like, did you leave in a weird space? Because she's at another she company now. profanity so on the like, keys. I'm like, do you mind if I say hi to her for you? And she was like, yes, I love her. I love that company. They're wonderful. And so uh, even yeah. like after she's left, they still speak so highly of her and the company and loved being a part of what they got to do there. Well, I got a lot out of this interview, JJ. I know you did too, in terms of just how do you scale up? How do you keep the heart in the mission? Yeah. Then how do you scale up? If you're a creative person and you're just driven by creativity and sitting down talking to people and you're really not a pragmatic person, 
yeah. who do you hire? Yeah. <laughs> and she talks about who she hires. And then she talks about competition. <laughs> See, what I love about this, she goes, goes, giant heart, love people. What do you do when people try to knock you off? I'm going to go after them. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's in the interview. <laughs> and then uh, we end with just how do you keep the, the why in the middle of it? Kind yeah. of Simon Sinek's idea of start yeah. with why. How do you keep all of that in the middle of what you're doing? And, and ultimately, just a really beautiful person, a newish wife and new mom. <laughs> juggling all of that while growing this company that you've probably read about. You've probably seen her on television. You know, honestly, JJ, the more time we spend together, the better people we become. And the more time, you know, you just spend time with good people and you become yeah. a better person. And Caitlin is like that. Yeah. And, you know, she's one of those people that kind of sets the moral compass for you. The longer time you spend with her, the more your moral compass gets set yeah. correctly. <laughs> yeah, you get reminded of why the why matters. That's oh, that's a great way to say it, and and she's a great reminder of that. So I don't want to wait any longer. The more time you spend listening to this interview, the better person you're going to be. So with that, here's my interview with Caitlin Crosby from The Giving Keys. Caitlin Crosby, good to talk to you again. You too, hello. And you're coming to us from Los Angeles, is that right? Los Angeles. Yes, sunny Los Angeles. <laughs> I want to know, why did you do it? Were you riding a bus somewhere? You saw somebody, you thought, what can I do to help? I mean, give us the whole story of why you started The Giving Keys. Yeah, so I definitely was not trying to start a business. I was definitely not trying to become a social entrepreneur. I didn't even know what that was at that point. So it was about nine years ago, and I was doing music predominantly, and I was touring around and uh, from different state to state. And the hotel room key in New York, I thought it was cool. It was really big. And so I put it around my necklace and got compliments on it. And I had, at the time, a website called loveyourflaws.com about women's body image issues. So I thought when I was at a locksmith one day, the person in front of me got numbers engraved on their key. And I said, oh, do you have letters by any chance? Can you engrave love your flaws on this key? So, and then I saw all these old used keys on the side. And I said, oh, can you engrave Hope, strength. So you came up with the product idea first. I mean, it's sort of in tandem with trying to help women love themselves no matter what. And these things were just happening just because you're a creative person, right? Right. Yeah. So it was definitely just, let's think of a creative, cool thing to sell at my merchandise table. Because I had t-shirts and bags and keychains and everything that said flaws or love your flaws on it to go with my, my album. They would sell out at my merchandise tables more than my CDs. So, <laughs> no offense. So, yeah, so I was like, okay, well, thanks for coming to my show. And uh, <laughs> so I knew that it was really resonating with people, and I yeah. knew that it was striking a chord with people and that they needed these words. And so after the show, I would go up to them and kind of hear their story. You know, why do you need this? Why did you pick this word? What are you going to do in your life? And I think organically, very authentically, just came up with the whole pass it on, pay it forward concept. So, you know, I would encourage them, okay, own your word, own it, but then don't just use it all for yourself. This world just isn't about just us trying to, it's not just about you, it's not just about us, but keep your eyes open for somebody else that's going through a hard time that you think needs the word on there more than you, and then I want you to pass it on to them. So then, wow. Yeah, so then people started writing me on MySpace at the time. I didn't have a website or anything. People started writing me on MySpace saying, you know, so-and-so was about to commit suicide, so I gave them my key. So-and-so was getting bullied, I gave them my key. So-and-so was going through a divorce, so-and-so lost their job. And I was bawling my eyes out reading all these stories wow. of these keys being passed all over the world. And I thought to myself, you know, I should make a website to store all these stories so it's not just my mom and I 
reading these stories and crying all the time. And we were selling okay. I wasn't really pushing it hard. It was just kind of whatever shows I had, this and that. But then I knew there was a missing link. This is the most important part. I knew that I wanted the money to go to some sort of charity or something, but I didn't know what. And I had a ton of friends who started nonprofits that I could have kind of settled in a sense of like, okay, uh, 10% goes to Invisible Children or 10% goes to so many different amazing nonprofits. But it was just like, no, it's not right. It's not right. There's more, there's more, there's more. There's something more unique. There's something that I'm missing. I don't know what it is. I haven't had that aha moment yet. So kind of kept living my life a year later. One day I was walking on Hollywood Boulevard and I saw a homeless couple and they were holding up a sign that said, ugly, broke, and hungry. It caught my attention. So I went up to them, got their life story. They lived in a dumpster in a cardboard box and they were raised homeless on the street. I fell in love with them. So I asked if I could take them to dinner and I wasn't thinking about the giving keys at all. And I think that's an important part to note. I wasn't thinking about the giving keys at all. And then two hours into the dinner, I said to the girl, I like your necklace. And she said, I like making jewelry on the side of the road. And I said, oh, wow, this is my aha moment. You're the wow. link to the giving keys. Do you guys want to be my business partners? So they said, okay, who is this crazy lady? So I showed them the, the website I had, which is a horrible website at the time. And then the next day I went to the locksmith, bought the engraving equipment, went to Pet Boys, bought the hammers. And then I started paying this couple to engrave the keys instead of the locksmith. And they started saving up enough money to get in a stay in a motel. And they saved up enough money to get their own apartment. And what did that do to you when you began to see, because you went from being sort of an advocate and nothing against advocacy, but there's a big difference between advocacy and stepping in and tangibly changing somebody's life. Did that do something in your heart where you now had to do this? Because I'll get to it in a second, but you scaled up your business in the most complicated possible way by hiring people who other people wouldn't hire. And I imagine you did that because you wanted to scale up not just your business, but people's lives. Was there a transition from advocacy to okay, I've got to actually physically do something and put my skin in the game and sacrifice here. What did that do to you as a person? Yeah, I definitely knew after watching the first couple finally have a home from living in a dumpster, I knew that that this was possible. And because I grew up in LA and I saw so many people living on the streets and in tents and it felt so unjust, it felt so wrong to me, like the difference of all these people, you know, in Beverly Hills living in the most, one of the most wealthy towns in the world and the juxtaposition of so many people living on the streets that just felt so wrong. So once that first couple made it and this little tiny business helped them get a roof over their heads, I, I thought, okay, well, we have to keep going. There's so many more people. And it was also, it was that mixed along with, we had a lot of orders coming in and they couldn't keep up with the orders. So I just had to find more people <laughs> to keep up with the orders. And so I literally would just go up to other homeless people on the street. And <laughs> as as was, entrepreneurs often do. Yes, yes. And <laughs> it was definitely not sustainable or safe in any way. And my parents were always worried about me. And, and I had a few other friends that had kind of started nonprofits where they would do, you know, the laundry for homeless people on Thursday nights. So I would go there and kind of meet them and kind of interview them and see who seemed to be a good fit. But anyway, after trial and error for a couple of years, then I finally partnered up with the United Way and PATH, People Assisting the Homeless. And then now Chrysalis 
and they now screen all the homeless people for us to make sure we're hiring people that are sober and, you know, kind of helping them. Each person has their own case manager. And so again, it was definitely a pair of half of it was we needed more people to fulfill the orders that were coming in. And half of it was, oh, wow, this is really helping people. We, we have, I have to keep going. There was really no other choice. I mean, you're an executive, you're a CEO. And a lot of people listening to this find themselves in your position too. What's interesting to me though, is you were mission oriented and your mission caused you to scale up an organization and you're having to learn. I mean, Caitlin, we go back a little ways. You're an artist, you're vision oriented, you're passionate, and you've got to somehow become cerebral and administrative or this thing isn't going to work. Was that a tension for you in terms of channeling your passion into Excel spreadsheets and ridiculous organization? Oh, I hate it. I hate all of it. I, I knew, it. I knew the answer to that before you. But you had to do it, right? Like, I, like there are people listening, they're going, I hate that part. But you had to do it. Oh, I still really struggle with it every day. Every day. And so many emails and so many spreadsheets and so many conferences. Eh, so much. I, I'm like so overwhelmed and so in over my head. And I feel I'm constantly struggling with, you know, I'm not doing what I'm good at. <laughs> and so I'm, I am constantly trying to delegate um, as much as I can, but because it is my own company, it's my baby. I have to learn. I have to learn because I have to understand what's going on because I kind of went through different phases where I, I delegated a little bit too much. Yeah. And then I was, so hands-off because my brain was so fried that I couldn't come up with, I had zero creativity left in me. I was completely numb. And because I was lost in the business side, so then I delegated so much that I was going into the office way less. I also was on maternity leave and had a baby. So that also made me more hands-off. And then that didn't feel right coming back after maternity leave. I felt like it didn't feel like it was my baby. It felt like other people were now way more involved. And I, and I was it going in a direction you didn't want it to go. Um, with certain things, we're still in the tension of a lot of things, a lot of uh, iffy situations where the heart of why I started, it was, you know, to help people. But now because it's become this machine and we have about 80 employees now, and we've got to provide over 70 jobs for people trying to transition wow. out of homelessness that we have, you know, on the HR side, we have people that are like, Caitlin, we need to fire this person who, you know, is homeless or was homeless. So for instance, we have this one person who is one of my favorites and he did also used to live in dumpsters and now he has his own apartment, but he's a little rough around the edges. Sometimes he doesn't abide by rules that he should. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a hard balance of, you know, what is enabling, what is giving somebody two, three, four, five, you know, 10 chances because that is our mission. And then we have the HR side that is like, no, Caitlin, we need to have the same rules for everybody. And they're right. But this has never really been done before. So I think that is the, the struggle is that the more, you know, reins and power I give to people, let's say HR, that they're going to keep firing people. And that just doesn't feel right to the original reason I created this. So we're definitely still in that tension. Well, who did you bring on? I mean, a lot of people probably find themselves where you're at, where the vision has worked and it's got the founder's mentality. They're plugging away every day. It's scaling up so quickly. And then, as you just said, you realize you're operating outside of your skill set. You're operating outside of your giftedness. A lot of people listening find themselves right there. What were the important hires for you to, one, get back your sanity 
And two, get back into your sweet spot. Do you remember I hired this person and they did this and that helped me tremendously? Yes. Britt Moore, uh, now Britt Gilmore, she is our president. And that was definitely a godsend. Um, and you just, are, you're, you're the CEO and she's the president, is that right? Yeah. So Britt was my one friend that was kind of in the fashion industry that had a good heart. She was just one of the people that I had texted. Does anyone know anybody who would be interested? And she actually wrote back saying, I might be interested. And I, I did not think she would be interested at all. And it happened to be the day that I texted her. That was the day that her company, they had just gone public and they had just laid off 30 of their employees. They kept her, but she knew that it was coming, that her company was kind of imploding. So she said, I might, I, I might be interested. So anyway, she started, she became the production manager. And then after a while, we were meeting with this one business consultant. He was from England, so we would do Skypes with him. And he knew how overwhelmed I was. And so he was like, Caitlin, I think you need to find somebody on the team. Instead of you talking to every single person and managing all the issues, have one person on the team that they can filter all of those things. And then they can, you can just talk to them. Who do you think that person should be? And I said, Brit. And he said, I agree. So then she, because he was uh, British and the, the name for that in there is she became our managing director. So then she was our managing director for about a year. And then after a year, Brit came to me and she said, Caitlin, whenever I tell people I'm the managing director, the giving keys, they look at me with a blank face. They don't know what that means because I think it's a British thing. So can I be the president? Because I think that's basically what it is. And I was like, sure. So that's how <laughs> it <laughs> I'll be back with the rest of my interview with Caitlin Crosby in just a moment. We've heard that one of the favorite segments of the Building a Story Brand podcast is marketing mythbusters. It's practical tips you can use to grow your company. Here with today's marketing myth is Kula Callahan. Hello, Kula. Hi, Don. It's good to see you. You too. What is today's marketing myth? Today's marketing myth is this. You must hire a CMO to run your company's marketing You have department. to. If you don't have a CMO, you can't do marketing at all, right? Don, you're wrong. <laughs> you are wrong. It's a myth. It is a myth, and we're about to bust it, and I'll tell you how. Okay. So a lot of people spend a lot of money on marketing that doesn't work. Yeah. And God bless our CMOs. They're super, super smart, but a lot of the content they create just doesn't work. It isn't It's marketing by trial and error, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we're against that. We are against that. Vehemently opposed to marketing <laughs> by trial and error. So why you don't need a CMO is that you can actually learn the words you need to use to sell your products or service and just repeat those words over and over and over among a number of different channels. So we actually just launched a online course called the Story Brand Marketing Roadmap that right. teaches business owners, whether you are the CEO or a solopreneur, it teaches you how to grow your business by clarifying your message and then delivering that message across a number of different channels. So with, through lead generating PDFs, through an automated email sequence that you yourself can write, through a sales letter that you yourself can write and that you don't need to hire out or outsource, gathering customer testimonials that you can do for your own business. So really, the main things that you need to grow your business, you can actually do, and we can actually teach you. Yeah, how you to can do, this. do it yourself, or you can find somebody in your company and make them content marketing director or something way beneath a CMO. You don't have to solve that problem yet, and teach them to do these six things. And it's all in the Story Brand Marketing Roadmap. But really, the issue is we're all sitting around trying to grow our company. We know we need to do something with marketing. We know we need to put some dollars toward marketing. And so we think, well, I'm going to go find somebody to rescue me. 
Right. That person who you're finding to rescue you is a really good salesperson. They they make you believe that they can do miracles with your company by doing Facebook ads. It's all on Facebook ads. It's all retargeting, whatever. Right. And they use this lingo that's a little bit, you know, confusing to you. So, well, they must know everything, and they don't. I mean, they may, they may not. But if they do, they're going to start with these six things. And it's these six things that we teach in the roadmap. Wireframe an effective website. Most of the text that most of us are using on our websites is completely ineffective. It's completely confusing, too. It's, it's confusing, it's vague, and nobody knows how we're helping solve their problem. We're talking about our grandfather, some award that we won, or how are our company values. That's great for internal communication. The customer doesn't care. So we've got to wireframe a website that works. Then create a lead generator, preferably a lead generating PDF because they're the easiest, to get an email address. Then on-ramp people with an email sequence that works and close the deal with a sales letter. Your quote-unquote CMO <laughs> should be doing these things. Absolutely. Over the, and over and over again. It's the basics. It's like saying, put the cash register at the front of the store. It's <laughs> Absolutely. That, I mean, you're like, millennials today, they don't like the cash register in the front of the store. We're going to put it in the ladies' bathroom so they don't feel like we're bothering them. <laughs> well, you're also going to go bankrupt. Yeah. Right? So Absolutely. These are the marketing basics, and we teach you how to do it in the Story Brand Marketing Roadmap. Uh, but you don't need to spend a bunch of money on a CMO. You don't need somebody to rescue you. You can rescue yourself, or you can take somebody in your, your company who's already a pretty good copywriter. Here's the point. Do these things first. Yep. Just get the foundation set. It's inexpensive, and it's effective. So go to storybrand.com slash roadmap. You don't need a CMO. You can do it yourself. Kula, thank you so much for bringing us another marketing myth. Absolutely. The company has scaled up so well, and it's clearly, you know, done so on your drive and your passion and your creativity. As you scaled up, you've gotten into Starbucks. You're at, I mean, help me, you're at Nordstrom, you're at Dillard's, you're all over the place, right? Yeah. The Starbucks one was my favorite. Yeah. Why? why? Collaboration. What happened with them? Well, even though we had been at, at Nordstrom for a few years, which is incredible, uh, but because Nordstrom is, you know, a place where they carry fashion, they carry necklaces, it's kind of like that it makes sense. But for Starbucks, is Starbucks. They sell coffee and they do not sell necklaces and they do not sell jewelry. So to me, that was such a a moment of, wow, wow, this really is special to, to get into a place like Starbucks, one of the most successful companies in our generation and and it was so incredible it was the vp of either marketing or creative vp of starbucks wrote into our website and said that she loves the giving keys and would we would we be interested in um, doing something with them and we were just originally going to be sold in this one roastery in seattle where their offices are based so we did that and we sold really we did really well and so i was kind of working on a pitch um, an email like, oh, how about would you want to maybe sell us in more of your stores? And so I was working on this pitch and it was really long and I had spent so much time on, on this email. And before I even sent it, they wrote us and they, they came to us wow. and said, would you guys want to um, be sold in more of our stores and do an, an exclusive with us? And so we, yes, we made exclusive product with them in 5,000 of their stores around the world. Um, and 5,000? Yeah. Wow. And what a great company. I mean, they're so socially conscious and it obviously trickles down all the way from the top with those guys. Exactly. So now we're we're working on a few other things with them right now. And so that launched in January and we sold out of those. Now we're working on a few other things with them now. So that is 
that's my favorite thing. And I think with even a place as huge as Starbucks, what happened was I went in, had a meeting with them last year and we showed them a video, a video that was about five minutes long that we had made. And it's a tearjerker and all the Starbucks <laughs> executives were crying and they were like, you should have warned us. We need a <laughs> tissue box. And I really think that that's what made them want to work with us more and, and to come to us after seeing people's lives that are being changed. And it was, it was real and organic and authentic. And I think that's the thing that I think people want and crave. I think so many people these days are adding some socially conscious element to their business. Maybe they have whatever the business is and they're like, Oh, let's do, you know, proceeds go to this or that, or people are trying to become a social entrepreneur. So they're, they're kind of doing it backwards. And I think people can smell that it's not real and authentic when you're just trying to make a buck or make a new trendy thing. But I think the reason why people resonate with the giving keys is because it really was an organic thing. And I think that's why it has to come from caring about the cause first. And it was that it was like, I genuinely cared about this couple first and that heart has to stay in it in order for us to stay true to what made people want to support us in the first place. How do you keep the heart in it when you're making thousands of giving keys a month now? How do you maintain that same, what does production look like? Yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging because that's what we say, how many emails come in and the meetings and meetings and meetings. And it, sometimes I just, I struggle with feeling numb. And so what I do is I go to lunch with a lot of our employees and just try to get their life story and really get into just being intimate with them. And like, that's not something a normal quote CEO would do. But I think that is the most important thing to do. And that's where I come alive. And that's the only, that's literally the only time where I feel fulfilled. Is wow. when I Everything else yeah. is just, you feel like you're a little bit out of your sweet spot. But when you're meeting with oh. folks, uh, wow. Yeah, I don't like most everything that I do with the giving key. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I, I enjoy is when I have, you know, lunch or breaks and when I'm just spending time and hearing what's going on in their lives and everything that they've gone through in their lives. And when there's, you know, we can both be crying together and they're vulnerable and honest and open. And, and I'm trying to think of ways to help them or to encourage them or pray for them or whatever it is. Like that is my most, that's the only time where I'm really, I feel like this is what I'm meant to do in life is just to be a person that they can talk to and encourage them. And that's what I love about the giving keys. I don't really, I don't love the business side at all. <laughs> wow. Is that from your upbringing? I know you're close to your father. Is that from your family? Did you get that modeled for you growing up? Which part? The, like the caring, car- the caring so much about people and, and people about profit. I think my mom, for sure, she always took me to missions and we would always give our clothes and this and that to um, shelters and, my mom still cries every time she sees somebody, you know, going by in a wheelchair, she'll cry. And so definitely, I definitely got my emotional heart side from her. And I did this before starting the Giving Keys too. I would always go up to homeless people and I would always, so it just felt like the normal progression to turn it into something to, to be able to help more people. What have you learned if you scaled up and seen success? You've had to really create a message that's succinct. I mean, when somebody seize a key at Starbucks and pick it up. They've got to read something very quickly that explains a complicated message. What have you learned and how much time do you spend on the actual marketing and messaging of your product? Yes, we went back and forth so many times with the Starbucks packaging. And I was actually really curious to have 
the people on the Starbucks team, the marketing team of people at Starbucks to get their eye on what. Yeah, no kidding. They know what they're doing. Yeah. And so, you know, we went in with our mission statement that I just kind of went off what I thought work. I just wanted to get it as succinct and, and short as possible and simple as possible to put two things into one messaging or one. So basically our, our mission statement is we employ people that are trying to transition out of homelessness to engrave keys with different inspiring words like hope, love, faith, dream. And then you have to pass it on, pay it forward to somebody you feel needs it more than you. I love it. That's um, the most succinct way you could possibly say it. Where so many people would say, we believe in the aesthetic beauty of everyone. And by wearing these necklaces, and nobody, it's just a bunch of gibberish, right? But you actually said exactly what you do. That's great. And then what they do, do they say, no, we got to change that? Well, no, they, we went back and forth. They wanted it to be the writing on the packaging to be created by Caitlin Crosby, actress and singer songwriter. I was like, uh, Oh, I do gotcha. not want that yeah. on there. That is cheesy to me. And I don't want my name on there. No, first of all, no one will care. Second of all, that makes me feel uncomfortable. But I thought, I think some people at Starbucks thought that was cool. I think we compromised and we split it up. So we got half of the mission statement on the front and half of it on the back. And I was fighting for the whole mission statement to be on the front. So people would yeah. see that we employ homeless people. I think maybe it was, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have to look, but we went back and forth a hundred times, but I'm happy with whatever uh, yeah, it's, it seems to be working. Occasionally, another company comes along and they're printing words on keys. Did that drive you nuts when you first saw it? How did you deal with that? Oh my gosh, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't give the, oh no, I don't mind, you know, I'm, we're flattered by it. Because people copy us all the time and we're like, we're so flattered by it, we send out cease and desist. I wonder how, <laughs> I wonder how I'm, I'm not kidding, every week our lawyer sends a cease and desist to somebody who's trying to, oh, yeah. who's trying to knock us off. But what, what do you do? Oh, I get so angry. And it's so funny, my mom, even my grandmother's caregiver at the time, <laughs> like she would get so angry and we would all stop these people and write them like in the middle of really? the night. Like, oh, like, you like would. Psycho. Yeah. Yes. And we would write them like, oh, like this one person would always hashtag the giving keys under their product, which is a knockoff of the giving keys. So they would oh. get, and that made me the most mad. Like yeah. you're not only completely knocking us off you're trying to take our customers from us and we're trying to help homeless people and you're not not so, yeah. yeah so we've definitely had lawyers involved and all that but we actually won with um target this was a good one so target had come to us at one of our trade shows and somebody from their team yeah was interested in, in selling the giving keys but they wanted them for a lower price point and we couldn't get them to be as low as they wanted it to be especially with because we give so much money to our nonprofit partners, we just couldn't get our margin to be that low. So it didn't work out, but then they started making their own giving keys for $9.99. No! Um, yeah, and they weren't giving keys. But they had no name for them. They were just random generic keys with words and on them. And they said things all. like hope and love and peace and creativity. Yep. And Wow. Yep. So we ended up, our lawyers, we found out that we actually went to this manufacturing company that, Target worked with and we fought them instead of fighting Target proper because if we went to this, you know, small random manufacturing company that just made them. Yeah, with Target, you're going to get tied up in court forever. Yeah, so it, we actually won and they stopped making the products. And so that was a huge win for us. Oh, does Target come back and said, hey, we're in, we want to do, because they're, they're not bad people, they're great people. This is such a big organization. Sometimes you, you're like an elephant that stepped on a mouse. You're like, oh, sorry, I didn't see you. <laughs> yeah right yeah no we didn't really follow up after that all right but target maybe we should 
the gauntlet has been thrown down. We want to see giving keys in Target stores from here on out, especially ones with a Starbucks. That way we can buy it twice. Yeah. There you go. All right, as you scale up, final question, how do you keep the why in what you're doing? How do you keep this thing about the mission? Uh, I've seen you in fashion magazines, or at least my wife's fashion magazines. I've seen you on television. You're doing great. How do you keep the why in front of you? I mean, you seem like a pretty balanced person anyway, intuitively, but how do you keep this thing about not blowing up and becoming bigger than the mission? Yeah, so good. And I, I think this is such a good question for anything that you do in life, whether, you know, if you find success in whatever avenue, whatever job and career you have, it is so hard. I think sometimes you just get to feeling numb. Like I have a friend who won an Academy Award and all these things. And she, she was like, yeah, I just feel numb. Like it's so hard sometimes when you find success to, it really is not the thing that's going to bring you happiness and fulfillment. So I think what I do is I just have to spend that time with those individuals where you have, you know, your phone is down. This is not about a new project. This isn't about a new product. It's not about something we're going to put on a website. It's just about that human connection. And that is the thing that just keeps me going 100%. And I think even going to events and listening to customers share their stories of why they gave their key away or how they got their key and just trying so hard to drown out all the noise around and just be focused on that and let that sink in and let it sink in how people's lives are really being changed. That's definitely the thing that keeps me going. But I think even more than the stories of the keys being passed around, I think it, it really is just having that time to take an employee to coffee or lunch and, and telling them, Hey, this is like a safe place. Like I want to hear all your deep, dark, everything like, and I'll tell you mine and let's just be real with each other and be human to human there for each other. And I think that definitely is the only thing that keeps me going. If I didn't have that, I 100% couldn't keep doing what I'm doing at all. Well, Caitlin, it's showing up in the, in the quality of your work, the beauty of the product, the, the meaning behind it. I think your your family is blessed to have you. Your team is blessed to have you. And we love the the creative, meaningful chaos that you've created with the Giving Keys. If you're interested in getting a Giving Key for yourself and passing along in the future, you can get one at thegivingkeys.com. Caitlin Crosby, this has been a wonderful interview, a super inspirational, also practical in terms of scaling up and keeping your, your heart in the midst of managing a growing company. I'm so grateful for your time and your wisdom and for your passion. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me on. She's great, right? Yes. <laughs> have you ever had a giving key? Yes, I have. And I actually gave them away to a lot of my students who graduated. When they oh, were graduating, right? I would give it to them and kind of give this moment of inspiration. And I probably thought it was a bigger deal than you did. But, <laughs> <laughs> it was, but I give. I was crying. They were like, hey, this he just gave us a key. That's weird. No, it was actually really cool. And I've given a lot of them away, and I've had some for, given to me as well. Yeah, I had one given to me right as I started writing Scary Clothes, the last book. Uh, it had been a few years. I'd had some fits and false starts in, in writing, and you know the books weren't doing well. So somebody gave me a key. It said creativity, mm. and I did. I wore it for a while. Yeah. And then it wasn't long. I mean, you know, I got rolling on the book, and it wasn't long before I met somebody who was trying to write a book, and I gave him the key, yeah. and uh, you know that was J.K. Rowling. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was in a coffee shop in Scotland, and there was this lady. In Oxford. In, oh, in Oxford, wherever yeah. she's from. I can't remember where I was. Yeah, you forget. I mean, it's all kind of, the point is you helped Harry Potter happen. Yeah, that's, that's totally what the point of the story is. Right. Details, She details. was like, it's about a wizard named oh. Dave Smith. And I said, what about Harry Potter? It just has a better ring to it. <laughs> Amazing. And Amazing. I said, you know really? what? You need this more than me. <laughs> yeah. And I gave her the JK, key. JK, you need this. <laughs> JK, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> you do need this. <laughs> well, speaking of creativity, <laughs> next week's episode is actually about, it's right, right back to practical business stuff, and yeah. it's about how not to send bad emails. Yes. <laughs> if you're not, first of all, if you're not sending emails as a company, you're losing money. Yep. Because email is where it's at right now in mm -hmm. terms of being able to market. So if you don't have a system that sends emails and you don't know how to write those emails, you're losing money. And yeah. so we actually flew to Phoenix and we visited a company called Infusionsoft. They help thousands and thousands and thousands, I don't know how many now, it's like 50,000 small businesses do their automated email marketing. They have a, yeah. a platform that's incredible. And Francis Jones it works with Infusionsoft, and he understands how all this works. And so we got time in their studio and basically just said, how are people messing yeah. this up? <laughs> yeah. And we've all done it. But there's just some basic things that you want to know before you start email marketing. So next week, grab a, a notebook, maybe even get some of your staff together. If you're not sending email, and you're like, Don, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have time to figure it out. You, you just listen. You're, you're an hour and a half. You're 90 minutes from setting up a system that can be like a sales force while you sleep. This interview is going to stimulate your desire to do that. Yeah. Anyway, so I'll play you a little clip from my interview with Francis Jones, and you're definitely not going to want to miss this next week. If you really want to get the attention of your audience, you need to speak to them how they ask to be spoken to. So if I'm on your website and I'm looking at uh, men's shoes and I ask about men's shoes, then send me information about men's shoes. You may expand it a little bit to all shoes, but if I don't indicate I'm interested in children's shoes, I'm gonna stop reading your emails if you're sending me stuff that I don't care about. You know, there's interviews that we do that inspire you. Caitlin is like that, although I think we learned a lot from her. Yeah. And there are interviews where we just say, okay, Let's time, just get nitty time gritty. for nitty gritty. Time to grow your company. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay for this. Yes. Christmas is coming. <laughs> yeah. the kids are going to want a bike. <laughs> yeah. Mama yep. needs a new pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Monday of next week, you're going to get that interview. If, if you're listening to this months from now, go back. It's the interview with Francis Jones from Infusionsoft. Okay, speaking of practical advice that will help you grow your company, JJ, my book is coming out. I know. October 10th. We roll closer and closer. I know. To that date. We've got a special deal for you. If you want to know more about StoryBrand, if you want to know about clarifying your message so customers listen, my book, Building a StoryBrand, How to Clarify Your Message So Customers Listen, comes out again October 10th. Mm -hmm. But we are running an amazing deal right now. If you pre-order the book on Amazon or if you pre-order the book on barnesandnoble.com or anywhere digitally that will send you a receipt, when you get that receipt, forward the receipt to book at storybrand.com. That's an email address. Forward it to book at storybrand.com, and we will actually send you a physical copy of the advanced reader's copy. You'll get a paperback yes. today. Literally, if you email that receipt, you forward that receipt, you'll get a paperback put in the mail, and you'll get the actual book on October 10th. So you get two books for the price of one, and you get the book months and months before anybody else gets it. Now, here's the thing. When you get into the book... We actually share some free software that we spent about $120,000 creating for you. And it's going to be a tool, a one-page tool that you can use to clarify your message. 
months and months before anybody else even knows about this tool, you will be online using this tool. And I'm not going to tell you where that tool's at. It's in the book <laughs> itself. But it's a beautiful piece of software that you will literally, at the end of an evening, here's what you do. Pour yourself a glass of whiskey and sit there in front of this one-page tool and write out your brand message. Then, here's the bad news. You're going to want to change every piece of marketing collateral you have ever created because you're going to realize you've been confusing people for a long time. But it's going to grow your business. But it's going to grow your yes. business. Yeah. Get the book. It's called Building a Story Brand by me, Donald Miller. When you get that receipt, you know they send you a receipt right away, just forward it to book at storybrand.com. That'll prompt you to give us a mailing address. You get the book, you go online, you create this one page that the book will teach you how to do, and you're going to clarify your message. It's going to take the hassle out of marketing for you. It's going to give you a system that you can market with ease, and you're going to stop wasting enormous amounts of money throwing it down the marketing money pit. This book is going to help. The book is called Building a Story Brand. Forward your receipt to book at storybrand.com. The offer is limited, so you want to get to it right away. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Building a Story Brand podcast. JJ, it is always a pleasure spending time always, with you. Always, always. JJ, if I had a giving key to give you, it would say friend. Aw. And then if you ever gave it away, I'd be really offended. <laughs> give it to somebody else who like, I actually like a little bit more. <laughs> like, oh, this is sweet for my... Oh, actually, I like you better. Here you go. I could actually see you doing that. So you take off the key saying... You know what? I have something for you. It's Don's friendship. I want you to have <laughs> I it. I want you to have it. <laughs> it is a burden around Three my neck. Three in the morning calling me, telling me what his dreams are. This is oh, ridiculous. No, I would wear that key every day. Every day. <laughs> music from this episode of the Building a Story Brand podcast is by our friend Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or iTunes. We love Andrew. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. <laughs>